But hopefully by now, you've had a chance to catch the heart of this series where we've been studying the book of Deuteronomy and we've been using memes to help communicate, punctuate, and demonstrate the truth that is contained in this book. And we talked about how Deuteronomy literally means this resharing of truth. And it's truth that the Israelites have heard before, but Moses is saying it to them again. He's repackaging it in a context that they can understand. And it's not just reshared in Deuteronomy. Really, these things that we're looking at, they're shared again and again all throughout Scripture. In fact, this passage that we're going to look at today, it might be one of the most referenced, quoted, and mentioned passages, principles, and promises that God has in Scripture. Because it's not just quoted in the New Testament. It's also referenced and revisited all throughout the Old Testament. The passage we're going to look at today is in Deuteronomy chapter 31. So if you have your Bible with you and you want to follow along, you can turn there. And those of you who don't, I'll put the words on the screen so we can all look at together. It's a good way to engage in God's Word. I understand sometimes it's easier just to take a photo or look at it on the screen and then that frees you up to take some notes. And Deuteronomy chapter 31, at this point in the book of Deuteronomy, we're at some of the final chapters, most of Moses' speeches are over now. And what he's doing is he's, he's preparing them for what they're about to go into. This is the action step of this book. He's reminded them of the story of how they've got to this point. And he's referenced all the things that they've learned in the wilderness and what God was doing to develop them. Now that they're on the, the cusp of the fulfillment of their covenant, he's helping to prepare them for what they need to go forward. So in Deuteronomy chapter 31, I'm going to start in verse 1, it says this, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. How many know that's old? And, uh, but man, he's got strength. And he uh, says, I'm 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will clear out those nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, like I said, if this passage sounds a little bit familiar, it's probably because you've heard it before. It's mentioned, referenced roughly 10 times, a little bit more, various places in Scripture. And... When we think of this passage, if you maybe have a little church experience, grew up in church, most of us associate this passage of Scripture with Joshua. We've read the book of Joshua, and we think, well, Joshua is the one that God told to be strong and courageous. But it actually starts in Deuteronomy. Where Deuteronomy ends, Joshua begins. And it's because this moment that we're looking at 
is a climactic moment. It's the moment right before they enter into the land that God promised them. It's the moment right before they step into the thing that started not just 40 years ago, wandering in the wilderness, but really 400 years ago when God was giving a covenant promise to Abraham. So I want to take this text that really marks the conclusion of Deuteronomy and speaks to the fulfillment of their faith. And I want to speak to you on this subject today, if you're taking notes, calling this message, Ready When You Are. Ready When You Are. And I need a little help preaching this today. The nine o'clock, I felt like they were a little sleepy. So I need to know you're with me. Just find somebody, hopefully, you know, it's like COVID conscious, but just like fist bump them or punch them if you, if you know them. Just punch them and say, ready when you are. Are you ready? Are you ready? You're supposed to say, ready when you are. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Hey, let's, let's, let's pray. I, I know I need God's help before I preach his word. I believe you need God's help to hear it. So let's ask for God's blessing and we'll get into this. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you help us, God, to hear. God, I ask you would help me to speak. Give us eyes to see the things you have for us, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive all that you have, God. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say, all right, you guys are with me. They say patience is a virtue. Have you ever heard that before? And uh, I don't know if you consider yourself a patient person or not, but if you do, I want to commend you. That's a great quality. I think most of us would probably admire that about you. And if you do, in fact, consider that as one of your strengths, one of your gifts, one of your redeeming qualities, as much as that might be applauded, what I've often found is that people who are patient, though they might, you know, be thankful for the fact that they're patient in the sense that they're able to endure tough situations, most of us aren't grateful for what we had to do to develop it. Here's what I'm trying to say. Like, you might be a patient person, but the fact that you know you're a patient person, you're not grateful for that. The, the, what you had to go through to display your patience, to prove your patience, to develop your patience, lots of times is painful. And I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of I'm thinking of myself a little bit. I asked Marissa yesterday if I was patient, and she said, Yes, so um, hopefully she wasn't lying to me because that would be a different sermon. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm patient most of the time, not, not with everything. Really, I, I think I'm pretty good with patience as long as I don't have to wait. Anybody else like me? Like, I feel good about being patient as long as there's no waiting involved. Actually, truthfully, what Marissa said is, um, she said, yeah, you're patient as long as you're not waiting on food. Then, then you're not very patient. But I, I do, I kind of have this problem because, like, I mean, I want things now. I don't know where my kids get it from, but I know I, I want things now. Like, like I want to get there as fast as I can get there. I want it to happen as fast as it can happen. Like, I, I just want to skip to the good part. Mostly. Like, like I'll, this is how bad I am. I will watch movies, and if I think the movie's too slow, I'll speed it up to 1.5 speed just till it gets to something good. <laughs> I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I always listen to audiobooks on two times speed. 
and because uh, I can get through more content that way. One time I listened to this book about slowing down on two times speed. <laughs> I felt like it was a sin, but I did it anyway. So you can pray for your pastor. I just, I want to get there and see, patience is a problem if you're a goal-oriented person. Most of us have goals. That's what we're talking about with the promised land, the place that we want to get to. <laughs> the, the problem when you have goals, like for me, it's not the discipline it takes to get to the goal. It's the duration. It, it's how long. You know, sign me up for the task. I'm not worried about the task. I just don't like the time. I, I, don't, I don't like how long it takes to get there. And the reason I'm bringing that up today is because last week I talked to you about starts. This week I want to talk to you about stages because the Israelites, they're about to enter into a new stage. They're about to enter into a new stage, but, but the way it happens is not really how you or I would expect. Because in our text, Moses is preparing them for what they're about to step into. He says, hey, as you step into this, what you need to know is that this is going to require some different skills. New place, you're going to need some new skills. This is going to require some different strategies. New place, going to mean new strategies. And, and the reason this is a challenge for them is because... They're about to go to a new place without their old leader. Moses is 120 years old. He said, God said to me, I'm not going to cross with you. So they're going to go to this place where all they've done up to this point is look back. They have history to look to and then remember what God has done. Well, as they go into new, they don't have history to look back to. This is brand new. And without Moses as their leader, it creates some some interesting situation because Moses, you have to understand, Moses was not just an ordinary leader. I mean, Moses has been the man for 40 years. M Moses is the guy that God used him. He spoke, delivered them out of Egypt. The way God delivered them is he spoke and plagues came on Egypt. Moses, when they were coming out of Egypt, he, he stretched forth his staff and the Red Sea parted. That was Moses. Moses was the guy that... He brought down from Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments, the new covenant that God was going to be making with them. He, he's the one who brought them this covenant relationship with God. Moses was the guy who, who brought forth the plans to build the tabernacle. Moses, he was the guy that when they were complaining, when they were hungry, when they were frustrated, he prayed for God's provision and God brought manna. But that's just some of the stuff that scratches the surface. Moses was a significant leader, not just any leader. In fact, God said about Moses, he said, other prophets I've spoken to through dreams and visions, but my servant Moses, I speak to him face to face. And so everything this generation, because the old generation has died, it's a new generation that was born in the wilderness. Everything this new generation has known about God has come through Moses. And now they're about to go into a new place. Moses isn't going to be there because Moses is about to die. I just want to point this out to you for context. It's in the next chapter in Deuteronomy 32. It says on that same day. So the same day where Moses is speaking to the Israelites about what they're going to need to go forward. It says on that same day, the Lord told Moses, go up into the Abiram range to Mount Nebo in Moab across from Jericho and view Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites as their own possession. There on the mountain that you've climbed, 
you will die and be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. So Moses, after this, he's like, well, I guess I'll die. That's all there is. So I really just wanted an excuse to use that meme. But, <laughs> but I, I want to set this up for you because he's trying to prepare them for what they're going to encounter. And what he says to them, it must have been a little bit shocking. Because the way he starts it out, it sounds inspiring, but the way he ends, to me, it sounds inconvenient. Let me set it up for you again. We'll just read these first few verses up to six. He says, Moses went out, spoke these words, I'm 120 years old, no longer able to lead you. God told me I'm not going to cross the Jordan, but God himself will cross over ahead of you. That sounds good. He's going to clear out these nations before you. That sounds good. You will take possession of their land. That sounds good. And you're not going to be left without a leader. Joshua will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. The Lord will deliver them to you. And you must do to them all I've commanded you. All of that sounds pretty good to me. It's this next part that catches me off guard. He says, so be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. Now, God wouldn't tell them to be strong unless they were going to be tempted to be scared. God wouldn't tell them to take courage unless there was going to be an opportunity for them to be discouraged. So it's like, God, you had me when you were telling me this is the promised land. I'm going to go into this place. It's going to be amazing. But the moment you said, be strong and courageous, uh, it feels like this. It feels like this. Have you seen those memes like uh, expectation versus reality? You know what I'm talking about? Like your expectation is one thing, but reality is way different. Like, like for me, it's expectation like with taking a selfie. You're like, this is how you think you're going to look. But, but this is reality of how you really look. This is, well, this is our expectation. Like, this is the Israelites. Just stay on this one for a minute. They think they're receiving a prize. They don't realize they're getting prepared for a punch. You're about to go into the land, and you are going to be faced with a fight. Really, when it comes to God's plan for our life, this is our expectation. Let's go to the next one. This is our expectation of God's plan. This is the reality of God's plan. Come on, you got to give it up for the KU meme. Come on, put your hands together for that. All right. I just hope I don't get a letter from the NIL, something like that. I need to scrub that one off the internet. See, they thought the next stage was going to be easy. I mean, it's called the promised land. <laughs> And maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a little bit like them. See, whenever I heard the promised land, what I thought was Candyland. I mean, it kind of sounds like it. Like, you're going to the land with milk and honey and chocolate mountain and lollipop woods. When we hear the promised land, we think it's going to be easy. My expectation of the promised land is that it's going to be convenient, that it's going to be comfortable. My expectation of the promised land 
is that it's the place where my problems don't persist. It's the place where courage is not required. It's the place where I'm comfortable. Here's what you need to understand. God's promised land is a calling to a courageous life, not a comfortable one. And if you thought that going through the wilderness and obeying God's commands and getting to the promised land was going to be the place that you can kick back, relax, and be comfortable, you misunderstood what God was calling you to. He's not calling you to a comfortable life. He's calling you to a courageous life. Now, I'm not down on comfort. I like comfort. I think you should try it when you get a chance. Get some comfort. But what I've realized is that the things I appreciate in my life came outside of my comfort zone. And it's contrary to how we think. It's contrary to what we expect because when we hear God say things like, I will be with you. I'll go before you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. See, when we hear that, our expectation is that things are going to get immediately easier. But I want you to notice God didn't say he would make things easier. What he said is he would give them assistance. Now, this is important to note, and I think maybe you note takers, you might want to write this down because I don't have it on the screen. But even when the writer of Hebrews mentions this particular passage, he's quoting this in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. He says, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, we say, God is my helper. He didn't say, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Therefore, we say it's going to be easy. He didn't say that. He said, God is my helper. And the way I think about this is, think about my kids' homework. Because my kids are at that age now where they're bringing home assignments from school. And what I've realized about this situation is that I can't make the homework go away. And I can't make the homework easier. But I can help them with it. And I will help them with it. But I can't help them with it if they don't get started. In fact, I'm not going to do it for them. And the thing that we need to understand in this text is that many times we're asking God to make a situation easier. And he doesn't promise to make a situation easier. We're asking God to do something for us. And he doesn't promise to do something for us. What God says he'll do is he'll be with us and he'll help us. So think of it this way. If God has given you an assignment, then he's promised you his assistance. He's not going to make the situation easier for you. Stop asking him to make the situation easier for you. But trust him that he'll help you. That's why the best thing for you to do, if you feel like you are facing something that is too hard for you, the best thing that you can do is to do it anyway, is to get started. Because that's when his help comes. That's when he makes his help available to you. And guess what? The greater your assignment is, the greater his assistance is. This land that they were going to go into, the reason they didn't go into into it in the first place is because they were giants. They had a giant assignment. 
But if you feel like you've got a giant assignment in front of you, know that God has greater assistance for you. That's why he says, be courageous. In other words, this is going to require effort from you. It's going to require something from you. When I think back of all the significant moments in my life, really all the significant moments I can trace back to working up the courage to step out. Whether it was a financial decision, whether it was a faith decision, whether it was a business decision, whether it was a relationship decision, I had to work up the courage to step out. Meaning I couldn't just sit back and wait and watch God do something. What, what I had to do was begin to partner with his will for my life. I had to move from a place of observation to participation. Man, that would be my prayer for some of you today. That you would move from a place today of just waiting on God to do something. Watching God do something. And move to where, God, I'm going to partner with you, with what you want. It's a shift. And Moses, he's trying to help them with this shift because for the longest time, all they've ever known and all they've ever done is watch God perform. They didn't have to do anything. They just waited on God to show up. They didn't do anything to get out of Egypt. It wasn't because of their goodness. It wasn't because of their effort. All they had to do is when Moses said, okay, it's time to go, they had to go. They, they didn't do anything to make that happen. When they were in the wilderness, God parted the Red Sea. God brought the manna from heaven. God gave them water to drink. God made it so their clothes didn't wear out. All these different things. They didn't have to do anything in the wilderness. But now they've got to move to a place where they're not just waiting and watching God move. They've got to move. God has provided for them up to this point, and he's going to continue to provide. But he wants them to know that a new stage is going to require a new step. And I want to encourage you to get this mindset today. I want to help some of you get a new perspective on God's promise. And the new perspective isn't going to come from waiting and watching. The new perspective is going to come from working. Because you can't enter into a new place with an old paradigm. You've got this paradigm that, man, when you start out following God, he will do so much for you. But he wants you to grow. He wants you to take a step. And if you find yourself in a place that is not requiring anything extra from you, if you find yourself in a place that is not putting any other demand on you, I want to encourage you to work up the courage to move out of comfort. It might not be the most comfortable place, but it's the place that God has called you to be. I believe that God is calling some of you to step into a new place. He's calling some, you know you need community, but you've been sitting back on the sidelines. You know you need the presence of God, but you've just been hanging back. You, you know that you need what God can provide, but you haven't stepped out in faith. He's calling you to a new place, a new place of generosity, a new place of faith, a new place of peace, a new place of hope, a new, a new place. But it's going to require you to move. And as much as it might seem like a big thing to you, it's really a little thing. It's a little thing. And I think that's the most frustrating thing about big changes is that big changes often don't feel big in the moment. 
You know, you think about it, when you make like a big lifestyle change, you change the way you're eating, you start going to the gym. It's a big change, but it doesn't seem big in the moment. Like it's not a day and night difference. Big changes happen incrementally. And this is really what I want to talk to you about because you got to understand what we're reading about is a big moment. This is a big, they have waited for this moment for 400 years. This is what they've had vision for, for as long as they can remember. This is what they've heard stories about. This is what's been on their mind this whole time as they've been growing up. This is the culmination, the pinnacle moment. It's like a graduation ceremony. God says, I'm going to clear them out in front of you. It signifies a shift. But when God says, I'm going to clear them out, it reminds me of how he said he was going to do it. Because when he said this, he told them earlier how. It's in Deuteronomy 7. I want to read it to you for your reference. Verse 22. God said to them through Moses, the Lord your God will drive out those nations to make room for you. Okay, that's what he said in Deuteronomy 31. But catch this. He says, but he will do it little by little. Now that seems kind of confusing to me. Because if this is the thing that God wanted for them, if this is the promised land that they've had envisioned for so long, if this is God's gift, God's promise, the, the place where they're supposed to be, why wouldn't he just give it to them all at once? Like, I think about myself giving something to my kids. Like, Oliver, my middle son right now, he really wants a basketball hoop in our driveway. And so if I say, okay, I, I, know, I know you want this, and I'm going to give it to you on your birthday. So he's thinking about this all year. So his birthday is in January, and he's thinking about it. And so his birthday comes around, and I give him the net to the basketball hoop. It's like, yeah, you know, it's just, you're not quite ready for it yet. So here's the net. You know, next year you'll get the hoop. And like next year you'll get the backboard. And next year you get the pole and put it on the ground. And then after that you'll get a, like, no, if you're going to give them some, just give it to them all at once. It doesn't make sense to me that God wouldn't give them the land all at once. He says, I'm going to do it little by little. But it doesn't make sense on the surface, but he explains why. He says, I'll do this little by little. You won't be allowed to get rid of them all at once. If you did, wild animals would multiply all around you. See, sometimes we think we're waiting on God to show up. He's really waiting on us to grow up. We think we're waiting on God, but, but really what he's saying is if I gave this to you all at once, you wouldn't be ready for it. If I gave this to you all at once, it wouldn't be a blessing. It would be a curse because it would be more than you could maintain. So I need to get just a little theological on you for, for a moment because you, this won't make sense to you unless you understand the difference between sanctification and salvation. Salvation is what most of us are familiar with. When you place your faith in Christ, you are forgiven in a moment. When you place your faith in Christ, he gives you all of his grace. When you place your faith in Christ, he loves you as much now as he ever will. 
But sanctification is different. Sanctification is a process. See, salvation, it's kind of like when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He didn't do it because of their works. He didn't do it because of their goodness. He did it because of his promise and his faithfulness and his goodness. It was not dependent on them. All they had to do was decide to follow. All they had to do was say yes. Sanctification now. What we're reading about going into the promised land, the place that God has called them to be, this is a picture of sanctification. It happens a little bit at a time. It doesn't happen all at once. And the, the way it happens is so incremental, it almost feels like nothing's happening. See, I'm looking at this moment as a big shift. They're going to the next stage. And I thought like when you go to the next stage, like you go to another level, like it feels different. But what I've learned is that going to the next level often doesn't feel like a new promotion. It feels like a new problem. It feels like, okay, God, I stepped into the promised land now. I thought all my problems would go away. Nope, you've got, you've got a little battle to fight here. You got to deal with this. Okay, all right, once I get past that, am I good? Okay, well, you got past that, but there's another little area I'm gonna deal with here. Okay, so you get that there, and it feels like, I thought I was gonna get past all this. No, it ha- God's, here's what I want you to see. God's best for you is ready when you are. It's ready when you are. It's incremental. One of the greatest gifts God can give you is gradual growth. Gradual growth. It's not what we expect, but it's the reality of how God works. And the good news about that is that if his best for you is incremental, that means you don't have to wait to express your gratitude. You can be grateful and thankful for the battles that you fought and won You can be grateful and thankful for what he's given you now. I think that's why he told Joshua, don't get discouraged. See, I imagine Joshua's a little bit like me. Like he's been looking forward to this moment. It's a big shift. They walk into it and then God says, oh yeah, it's gonna happen a little at a time, little by little. Not as fast as you want, just a step at a time. God's best for you. He's promised for you. He's ready when you are. Going to the next stage often feels like a next step.